Hello, hello. I'm back. Uh, welcome. This is Madam Butterfly, and you are tuned into the Frequency Bay. Thanks so much for joining me today. So, I, as of right now, um, I originally planned to um, throw together, or not throw together, but read off some articles that I found that were pretty good. Um, I decided to instead um, go over some videos uh, in regards to a different topic. Um, I kind of got bored with that last topic. Um, and I think that instead of reading them off, I'll probably just post them on my page. Um, so with that being said, um, I want to get into the new topic that I decided to go with. And that is... Uh, Tucker Carson's Tucker Carson Tucker Carson's opinion on um, uh, I believe it was the way in which Biden decided to uh, execute our like have our troops leave Afghanistan, which was I will admit quite shitty, but uh, I feel like all of us know that it was something that had to be done. Um, Unfortunately, it's alluding to a bit of chaos, but I also feel as though this is, you know, chaos that can be taken advantage of if, you know, our government decides to do so. Um, but I guess I will get right into the uh, segment that Tucker Carlson decided to have um, in regard to the situation. So let's let's dig in. Tonight, Joe Biden went on television today, this afternoon, and talked to the country about Afghanistan. He said, among other things, that we had no choice but to leave. And on that question, he is right. The United States should have left Afghanistan 19 years ago when it became obvious that Osama bin Laden wasn't there and had fled to Pakistan. There was no reason to stay in the country. And the longer we remained, the worse it was always going to be. The question is, and the relevant question today, is how exactly do you get out? Just because something is necessary doesn't mean you get to ignore the details of it. If you learned you needed an emergency appendectomy, would it matter to you who performed the operation, a surgeon with a scalpel or a drunk guy with a pocket knife? Yes, it would matter to you. But it didn't matter to Joe Biden, apparently. He barely mentioned the withdrawal today. Biden did the necessary thing in the ugliest possible way. If you've been watching television during the day, you've probably seen this footage. It's terrified men in sandals clinging to the side of a C-17 as it attempts to leave Afghanistan. And this is the iconic photo of the moment. It's the final humiliating scene of the American occupation of Afghanistan. That means that after 20 years and trillions of dollars, our leaders couldn't manage to pull off an orderly retreat. They couldn't even secure a single runway. And that's the main lesson of the fall of Kabul. We are led by buffoons. They have no idea what they're doing. We know that now. They're imposters. Everything they touch turns to chaos, not just there, but here. These are the people who run the Amtrak station in midtown Manhattan, the one that's filled with drug addicts. They're the people in charge of the power grid in the state of California. They have no useful skills. And yet somehow these same people assured us they were going to turn Stone Age Afghanistan into modern Belgium. Remembering it now is bitter and hilarious. 
At this point, our leaders are so discredited, they're running out of ways to criticize the Taliban. Is the Biden administration really going to attack the new government of Afghanistan for forcing women to cover their faces? Are American diplomats actually going to lecture Taliban leaders about toppling statues? Probably not going to happen. That's how much credibility our leaders have lost, how much moral authority they have squandered in the past 20 years. But most of what they've lost is their self-awareness. They have none. Until just this weekend, for example, they had no idea how badly they were failing in Afghanistan. Here's John Kirby of the Pentagon explaining that, calm down, America, everything in Kabul is under control. Keep in mind, we have not edited this tape, and it's not from last year. This is three days ago. Kabul is not uh, right now um, uh, in an um, imminent threat environment. Oh, good job, John Kirby. Think he'll keep his job? Of course he'll keep his job. A man who's willing to defend pregnant fighter pilots can work in Washington forever. And so can Mark Milley at the Joint Chiefs and the rest of the woke clowns at the Pentagon. Generals who are much more worried about white rage in West Virginia than they are about our enemies abroad. When was the last time these guys won a war? Seriously, they hate it when you ask that question. Nothing bothers them more, but what's the answer? When was that? And while we're at it, how about the intel agencies? Their job is very specific. Give policymakers some rough sense of what's going to happen in the world, especially on the big questions so they can make wise decisions. How's the intel world doing on that? Let's see. The collapse of the Soviet Union, 9-11, the fall of Kabul, not small things, major history-changing events. They missed all of those completely. They had no idea. So why are they still there? Well, because someone's got to read your text messages, got to make sure you're not making fun of trans people or anything like that. And then there's the Biden administration overseeing all of it, the group led by the senile credit card shill from Delaware and staffed by power-hungry non-entities who believe they're God. Hubris? That doesn't describe the vibe at the current White House. It's much more grandiose than that, and there's far less justification for it. Here's our sitting national security advisor, for example. He is 44 years old. As far as we can tell, he has never had an actual job. Outside of school, he has no accomplishments whatsoever. Watch this highly respected Rhodes Scholar explain that, in fact, everything you're seeing on TV from Afghanistan is a victory. How do you explain getting this so wrong? Well, first, Savannah, to be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the helicopter. It's not the mechanism. Forth, so. No, no. It's to the last-minute scramble. You know that. It's the last-minute scramble when the assurances from the president himself were this was not what we were going to see. The reason that there are U.S. forces at the airport effectuating a successful drawdown of our embassy, uh, securing the airport to be able to get other people out, is because the president pre-positioned those forces, thousands of them, in the Gulf so they could be moved in rapidly in the event that there was a rapid collapse. Oh, so they're effectuating a successful drawdown of our embassy. So that's what we call it when you burn your files and flee in a helicopter from approaching gunfire. You're just effectuating another successful drawdown. Woohoo! We could go on. We could torture you with the failures and the details. We haven't even mentioned our, quote, Secretary of State. Tony Blinken, a man so mediocre you gasp when you hear him speak. Can you really be that dumb and run the Department of State? Yeah, you can. And the last several decades of American foreign policy prove that you can. America is, Afghanistan is not the first country our leaders have left worse than they found it. The list of those countries is long and sadly it's growing. 
Part of the reason is that for decades, left-wing academics in the U.S. have used the developing world as a laboratory to test their theories about how societies ought to be ordered but aren't. Over time, they've constructed a parallel government of NGOs that work alongside our Pentagon and our State Department, as well as with the United Nations, to impose radical social engineering projects on the world's poorest people who have no say in the matter. Over the past 20 years, for example, Congress has allocated close to a billion dollars to export academic feminism to Afghanistan. Where'd that money go? Well, it went to programs like a two years master's degree in gender and women's studies offered at Kabul University, something Afghans apparently never knew they needed. Another U.S. government effort, meanwhile, funded, quote, activities that educate and engage Afghan men and boys to challenge gender stereotypes. Right, they weren't doing that enough. And of course, always and everywhere, our leaders enforce the most American of all cultural exports, affirmative action. American-funded gender advisors demanded that women compromise at least 10% of the Afghan National Army and a still larger proportion of that country's political leadership. Thanks to American-imposed gender quotas, dozens of women ultimately were installed as representatives in Afghan's parliament. How'd that work? Well, the whole thing was a sham, as always. In fact, many of these new female legislators had never been to the provinces they claimed to represent. Almost nobody in Afghanistan liked any of this, by the way, and why would they? As one USAID official conceded in a classified report, quote, focusing on gender made things more unstable because it caused revolts. It caused revolts. But officials kept doing it. They kept pushing radical gender politics anyway Part of the reason why it caused revolts is because of the type of religion that they practice. The type of religion that they practice has everything to do with it. I... Uh, watching this is difficult, ladies and gentlemen. That much I will say. Um, everybody knows that when it comes to places like Afghanistan, it's, it's men first and women second. They treat women like dogs. Women don't get to drive by themselves. Before this whole shindig and, and charade show happened, um, women weren't allowed to go shopping alone. And I mean, these, these, are, these are grown women. So it's like, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I mean, they, they were making some progress, but at the same time, I, I, I just, it irks my nerves that I, you would spew such ridiculous hate first and foremost, and then behind that, try to justify it with some means that, means what at the end of the day? I mean, like, uh, anyway, and let's, let's Because they could, because they were in charge of these Stone Age people they were going to educate. This is the face of the late American empire, gender studies seminars at gunpoint. This is not like other empires. Unlike other empires, ours does not operate for our benefit. America toppled Saddam, but took no oil. Remember that? Instead, the entire point of our imperial project is to give meaning to the empty lives of the neoliberal bureaucrats who administer it, and then enrich the contractors who work for them, who are enriched, you'll be happy to know. What role do the rest of us play in this? None. We just pay for it. Yesterday, to underscore that point, the Biden administration told us that American citizens would not be given priority in the evacuation from Kabul. So our government's official position is that American lives are not more valuable than the lives of foreigners. But you already knew that because you've seen our southern border. 
The people who made the Afghan occupation possible would like to see a lot more of our southern border, much more unrestrained immigration to the U.S. Bring in the refugees, they're screaming tonight. That's the only lesson they're taking from this debacle. Quote, America must not stand idly by, Mitt Romney tweeted today. The president must urgently rush to defend, rescue, and give and expand asylum. There is no time to spare. There's lots of time to spare as Americans die of fentanyl ODs and millions of foreign nationals whose identities we can't confirm move here. But when it comes to bringing Afghans to our country, there's no time to spare. And Liz Cheney firmly agrees with that. So does her friend Bill Crystal and Nancy Pelosi and Victoria Nuland at the State Department and so many more, so many more just like them. These are the architects of the disaster we are watching unfold on television. They should be groveling for our forgiveness, but they're not. Why? Because contrition requires decency. There's no chance. So we're getting it. And if history is any guide, and it's always a guide, we will see many refugees from Afghanistan resettle in our country in coming months, probably in your neighborhood. And over the next decade, that number may swell to the millions. So first we invade, and then we're invaded. It is always the same. We'll be spending a lot more time on that subject in recent, in coming weeks because it matters. But first, since Kabul has just fallen, it might be worth asking the most obvious question of all. Why did the Taliban win? How did the 6th century triumph over the 21st century? There are indications that the single most notorious and reviled government in the world, primitive people famous for their brutality, rigidity, and humorlessness, are more popular in parts of Afghanistan than they were when we expelled the Mullahs from Kandahar 20 years ago. They don't seem to be less popular. So how did that happen? What's the answer? We ought to pause to think about that. Let's not just blow past it like it was an act of God. It's not. What is the answer? Well, countries are very complicated, all of them, so there are likely many answers. But one of those answers may be that the population of Afghanistan has firmly rejected what our leaders were selling it over 20 years. It turns out that the people of Afghanistan don't actually want gender studies symposia. They didn't actually buy the idea that men can become pregnant. They thought that was ridiculous. They don't hate their own masculinity. They don't think it's toxic. They like the patriarchy. Some of their women like it too. So now they're getting it all back. The atmosphere in places like in Afghanistan is, is very toxic, it is very gross, it is very uncomfortable and very unfortunate, um, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. Um, they are killing women and beheading women and, and killing men and beheading them over the smallest, stupidest things, the idea that their culture doesn't need a turnaround. The idea that their culture doesn't need an influence from something better um, is, is bullshit. I, I it's, 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 it's bullshit. So maybe it's possible that we failed in Afghanistan because the entire neoliberal program is grotesque. It's a joke. It's contrary to human nature. It answers none of our deepest human desires. It is merely a performance staged for the performer. 
It's not even supposed to improve your life. It's ridiculous. And ideas that ridiculous can only be imposed by force, only with armed men at gunpoint. The moment these ideas are not mandatory, the second the troops withdraw, in fact, people tend to revert to the lives that they prefer to live. That may be the real lesson of Afghanistan. Let's hope our leaders notice. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News' YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. I, I feel as though a lot of what he had to say was just the general narrative associated with the lie that the right pushes in regards to how they feel the, the you know the left handled its its primary business. Do I think he's completely wrong? No. But I believe a lot of what he's saying is just just trash so there's that um so i will be going into my next uh my next um video because in in the midst of all this the republicans try to use this as an opportunity to uh get Biden to re to resign, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but don't get it twisted. I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of Biden as, as our president. I just think that, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of Mr. Biden as president. I don't think I, I'd, I'd be a fan of anybody being president because I'm one of those believers, people who believes that um, our presidency is, you know, chosen beforehand. And I don't really believe that uh, voting makes all that big of a difference. But let's go ahead and get into this second part here. Um... And this will be uh, a video from the New York Post. Uh, the last video was from Fox News. Welcome to the Hoopty World Championship. Perfect. This is an ad. Let's see the video.
Let's try CVSN instead. That was Ed O'Keefe reporting. So, conspiracy theories are fueling false narratives surrounding former President Trump. Here's a new one. Some of his supporters believe he'll actually be reinstated today, while others believe he never left the White House and that he's been in office the entire time. That is despite President Biden winning the 2020 election and, of course, being sworn in earlier this year. All right, so for more on this, let's bring in CBSN tech reporter Dan Patterson. Dan, this is a whole new one to me, so you got to explain it. Why do Trump supporters, because often there's like a little nugget in there that, you know, that they build off of. So why do Trump supporters, or actually QAnon believers, uh, believe that he will be reinstated today? What, is there something significant about the state? Hi, Anne-Marie. So this is really a repackaging of an old conspiracy that we've seen since at least Trump left office, but really prior as well. Uh, of course, January 20th, uh, we saw March 4th, different iterations of a conspiracy that say um, the uh, previous administration will come back. There is validity to what we call the big lie. These are conspiracies and hoaxes that propelled um, disinformation about election rigging. And so when it comes to dates like today, August 13th, or whenever you're viewing this, because today really doesn't matter, um, what matters is that the conspiracies continue to kick the can down the road. This isn't exactly what I'm looking for. I'm going to try one more time. Donald Trump is such a hater. <laughs> oh my goodness.
I had it, then I lost it. One second, guys. Mm. Let's be sure. Let's be sure. Swear to God, news like this is just the quintessential. Just so, so draining. I don't really take the time to listen to Tucker Carlson that often. Um, but I was in the process of listening to a news segment earlier today. And they had mentioned him and... I was a tad flabbergasted, um, cause I mean, like, Tucker Carlson went all the way to fucking Egypt in order to get his point across with what he was saying. People who are just fucking minding their own business, trans people minding their own business, homosexual community minding their own business, people who want to have, who, who are in homosexual uh, um, relationships, who, who want to have kids, minding their, bus- their own business. Nobody. Tucker Carlson. These people over here aren't really sure about homosexual, like, come on, bro. Don't, don't do that. Never been, never a fan of people kind of just dragging people from the blue who are minding their own business into BS. Like, come on, that's not what they want. I think all the ABC News, um, I was going to go with uh, TYT, but I can't find the video I just had, so let's, let's try this one instead. Do lotion and jeans go together? A Nivea breathable experiment. Now they do. Moisturizes deeply with no sticky feel. The game-changing Nivea Breathable. Now, despite the chaos, President Biden is standing by his decision to pull troops from Afghanistan. In a national address, the president said, even though the scenes playing out in the country are, quote, gut-wrenching, it's time for this 20-year war to end. ABC News Deputy Political Director Avery Harper joins me now for more on the political fallout from all of this. Avery, President Biden seemed to be trying to toe a line yesterday. On the one hand, he literally said the buck stops with him, and he won't pass this responsibility on to another future president. But critics are saying he did pass the buck and seemingly placing most or all of the blame for the chaos in Afghanistan on the Afghan army and the Afghan government. 
Right. So we did see the president both attempt to claim the buck and pass the buck yesterday in his uh, remarks about uh, the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, the president uh, saying that there was a, a an intelligence breakdown. Uh, there, the, the Taliban did advance much faster than they anticipated, uh, but also uh, placing the blame on you know, former President Trump and his administration on the uh, Afghan army and the Afghan government, Ashraf Ghani, uh, fleeing the country. Uh, he also even placed the blame on uh, folks, Afghan citizens and civilian personnel who uh, did not leave the country quick enough. Uh, and, and so we really did see the president double down on his stance that uh, this was the time to depart, uh, for, for troops to depart Afghanistan, uh, and, you know, that it was messy. Uh, but ultimately, his goal remains the same, is to, to end this 20-year conflict and not to pass uh, this conflict on to another president. Now, he also said that if the Afghan government and Afghan army weren't prepared now to fight for the country and secure the country against the Taliban, that they weren't going to be in another year or another five years or another 10 years and so on. Uh, and so to him, it sounds like this outcome was inevitable. Do others in Washington agree with that? Well, others in Washington are still looking at where the intelligence breakdown was. And again, you're going to see lawmakers on both sides of the aisle making inquiries to figure out exactly how uh, things were allowed to devolve uh, as quickly as they did. Uh, and, and But it doesn't change the, the president's argument. He believes that this is the time to get out and that it was never uh, going to be pretty, that it was never going to be a clean break, that it was going to be messy. And that's why we're seeing the images that we're seeing now. But ultimately, I think he's made this political calculation uh, that leaving Afghanistan is, is relatively popular among the American people. And so this is just an, an obstacle in the road to get to uh, the ultimate uh, you know, victory, which is leaving uh, Afghanistan for him. And the bulk of the criticism, though, doesn't seem to be over the decision to leave, but rather the way this withdrawal has been executed, including the fact that it was agreed to without conditions with the Taliban. How is this debate playing out in Washington? Well, what we're seeing is, you know, folks on the right uh, come out and speak out uh, against the Biden administration for this haphazard uh, withdrawal plan. Uh, again, there was a massive, a glaring intelligence failure uh, that has resulted in the chaos and in the images that we are seeing out of Afghanistan. And uh, there are folks on both sides of the aisle uh, who are not going to be defending uh, the, the way that we left. But uh, again, generally, uh, leaving Afghanistan is, is relatively popular. And so what we're seeing uh, from lawmakers on both sides of the aisle is a desire to uh, get folks out of there as soon as possible uh, so that they can get to safety. And the attention's also now turning to these Afghan refuge, uh, refugees. So what's the plan for what happens to them now? Do they settle here in the U.S. or where else do they go? Right. So uh, there's a lot of red tape. And you, you mentioned earlier uh, Senator Ben Sass saying that, uh, that calling on the Biden administration to cut the red tape in order to get people out as quickly as possible. Uh, typically, uh, folks would have to go to a third country uh, and then apply for uh, asylum uh, to be able to come to the United States. Uh, you're seeing Senator Ben Sass uh, saying cut that all out so that we can get folks over here. Progressives on the other side of the aisle, the other side of the spectrum, are saying uh, the same thing in a, in a much less aggressive tone. Uh, but they are calling on the Biden administration to move faster uh, and to work harder in order to get folks out of there uh, and to safety. So we could see uh, Afghan refugees come to the United States. Uh, we know that they have been encouraged on the federal level to uh, be uh, welcome.
welcoming and compassionate to those refugees and, and have them uh, come to areas in the United States. It just remains to be seen how quickly uh, they're going to be able to pick up the pace and how soon we can see those Afghan refugees come to the United States. All right, Avery Harper, Deputy Political Director. Avery, thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like... All right. So it looks like Rick Scott raises uh, raises removing Biden from office over Afghanistan. I I can understand this. Well, you know, you can understand his frustration. I don't think that that's necessary. Uh, I guess he was quoted saying, is Joe Biden capable of discharging the, the duties of his office or has time to come to exercise the provisions of the 21st, not 21st, but the 25th Amendment? The GOP senator tweeted. Um, this is an article from Politico. So let's dive into this a little bit. Senator Rick Scott, the chair of the Senate, the state Senate campaign arm, questioned Monday whether President Joe Biden's cabinet should remove him from office. A near impossibility over the sudden collapse of Afghanistan. Scott, who is widely viewed as a political, as a potential 2024 um, presidential campaign or candidate, tweeted. We must confront a serious problem. Is Joe Biden capable of discharging the duties of his office or has time come to exercise the provisions of the 25th Amendment? Um, the Florida, of course, Florida. <laughs> the Florida Republican um, embarks, uh, remarks echo calls for calls from former President Donald Trump and aligns for Biden and allies for Biden to step down, which began as the Taliban took control of the country and toppled the Afghan government. Afghan government wasn't looking for no smoke. While, while Senate Republicans have widely talked, talked, talked bad about Biden for his administration's handling of the troop withdrawal, Scott is the only one so far to bring up the poss possibility of invoking the 25th Amendment, which lays out the presidential orders of succession 
um, under the 25th Amendment, which has never been used, the vice president and the majority of the president's cabinet would need to determine he is no longer fit for office. Congress would then need to approve that process by two-thirds vote in both cabinets, or both chambers, rather, I'm sorry. Biden remove, Biden's removal from office over the situation in Afghanistan is unrealistic as Democrats maintain full control of Washington and the vast majority of Republicans are not calling, are, are now calling for his resignation. Biden is expected to address the country on Monday afternoon after the situation in Afghanistan. The White House did not immediately respond to requests for comment. And there you go. I don't feel like that's necessary, personally. I think that some balls were dropped and maybe some hard conversations need to be had with the people who are in charge of getting getting things done. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's all. But thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of uh, Frequency Bay. If you decided to stick with me this long, you are very much appreciated. Uh, I will see you on the next episode. Um, Madam Butterfly signing out. But before I go, I wanted to say, um, I think the next episode that I'll do will be on um, health literacy. Uh, I noticed that health literacy is pretty low in America. And just in general. And I think it would be a good idea to um, have a presentation and do some commentary on um, a couple Joe Rogan shows. And then also um, a couple presentations from a, a doctor who I recently subscribed to on, on YouTube. Who I feel like is a really great influence. So more of that to come in the future. But uh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Madam Butterfly out.